Thanks for checking out this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, your movie trivia and discussion podcast. Please like us at facebook.com slash screenfacts. Post your comments or questions. You can tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. This podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and more. Well, joining me on the podcast today is a good friend of mine that, hard to believe, I know for almost 20 years already. It feels like just yesterday. It does, doesn't it? It sure does. My good pal, Les Sinclair. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me on this program. Oh, thanks for being on this program. Are you kidding me? I know, um, you know, you're a busy guy, and when you take the time out to join me for one of these things, it, it really means a lot to me, so thanks. Well, this one's pretty exciting. Yeah. The movie itself was just sort of out of nowhere, and from one of what is now my favorite writer-directors, he's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And this movie arguably is in, I would say, the top five thrillers of all time. Well, you know, it's it's number four on the box office list of horror movies. Oh, interesting. It's, it's the fourth biggest earner behind It, The Exorcist, It Chapter 2, and Get Out as far as uh, domestic box office. Yeah. So we are going to talk about Get Out, written and directed by Jordan Peele. And a guy who predominantly is known for funny stuff comes out with this amazing thriller and just rocks the world. Well, I think there's a, a guy in here who does some great comic relief as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's one of the great things about horror movies, I think, today is that they're always scary, but there's always that sense of laughter that they throw in there, too. Yeah, I think you have to have a little bit of levity sometimes when it's a very tense thing, especially a movie like this where the subject matter, it's not a typical slasher type film. I mean, it's a its a very serious social commentary. Yeah, there's a lot of thought provoking going on in this. Oh. You can even see with the white privileged family. Yeah, it's a very fascinating movie and a great idea for a film. To me, it has a very Twilight Zone kind of feel to it, which is interesting because he's the host of a new Twilight Zone series on CBS's streaming service. That's right. That's uh, very apropos, I think, for Jordan Peele. Yeah. There was a lot of that in the old Twilight Zone, too. It was a lot of social commentary. Right. And one of the episodes that sticks out to me is the ugly episode. I can't remember exact title, but it was everyone was ugly except for this really beautiful woman. Right. And they considered her ugly because she was beautiful. Right. They had all had the pig faces and stuff. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, the movie was released February 4th, 2017. Estimated budget of $4.5 million. As you mentioned, one of the highest grossing horror films. Domestic gross, $176 million. Worldwide gross, $255.4 million. So this movie, a great success. Written and directed by Jordan Peele. Won Best Original Screenplay Oscar. And it was also nominated for Best Director, Best Picture, and Best Actor for Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya is really interesting fellow, too. You know, yeah. uh, well, I guess it was his first leading role. Mm-hmm. And did you know he's British? He's English? Yeah. yeah. And that was the funny thing when, when you know, you saw interviews with him after the movie came out. You're like, oh, my God, he's British. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> And, you know, he does a great job. It's always interesting to me because, you know, American actors do British accents all the time, right? Yes. It feels like to me it would be more difficult to do kind of a neutral American accent if you're British. And he does. I mean, you'd never know when you're watching the movie. He seems like a guy from New York or something. I don't know. Yeah, which is which is where he was supposed to be. I saw an interview with him and I can't remember if it was Kimmel or Colbert. And he was talking about his mom really wanting him to get a job. And, you know, he said, hey, I got nominated for an Oscar. And and she was like, well, does that mean 
steady paycheck? <laughs> well, and he's like, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> not exactly, but certainly when you get an Oscar nod, you probably are in demand a little bit more, I would think. Yeah, and deservedly so, I think, for him, because he nailed the screen test for this, as I understand it. He did the read, and when he needed the tear to fall, it fell at the exact right time. What was it, three or four times during the read? Yeah, he's so good in the movie. The scene where he's first hypnotized by her, it just blows my mind every time. Even before he starts talking about what happened with his mother. Boy, we're just jumping right in, aren't we? It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, we should probably say spoiler alert because we're going to give away a lot of stuff. That goes without saying, I would think, with, with a, a podcast like this, but you never know. I can't imagine anybody listening to this who hasn't seen the film, but if you've never seen the film, we're going to talk about a lot of details. Well, and, and with that spoiler alert, and I, I want to get back to what you were talking about, of, about him being hypnotized, but right. um, Jordan Peele says, go back and watch the movie again. And this time, just pay attention to um, Allison Williams. Just the, the second or third time you watch this movie, just pay attention to her because it, it's completely different once you've watched the movie yes. entirely and you know how it ends. Her acting is incredible. I mean, what she gives away, what she says is pretty incredible. But you you were talking about him being hypnotized. Yeah. Even before he starts talking about what happened to his mom, his eyes start to well up and get turned really red. And then he starts to tear. And it's just such a heavy scene, you know. And when she sinks him to the sunken Sunk. place, wow, what a wild scene and just amazing. Just well, um, the sunken place is really kind of interesting. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of color play in this movie. I love when directors do this. Mm -hmm. I know that M. Night Shyamalan does this a lot where he yeah. uses color as an indicator for something. You normally don't know it till after the movie's over. Right. But there are also some color here. One is red. We'll get to that in a little while. But um, speaking of the sunken place, you'll notice that when he goes there, mm -hmm. he's always wearing his cozy clothes and those are gray which oh, is somewhere okay. between black and white. So there's a lot of color play in this movie. Oh, yeah. You know, I miss that. It's, that's kind of cool. It's funny. I've seen this movie maybe three or four times now. This is a movie that plays well multiple times because once you know the twist, then you can watch the movie for all the clues, kind of like The Sixth Sense, M. Night Shyamalan's great film, which also uses red as a recurring color thing. Yeah, and in uh, Glass, he uses purple. Right. Or, yeah, I think it is purple. But yeah, knowing what you know, like after you see the movie and you know what the deal is, then watch it again and, and then you look for all those, like the things. Like, for example, when they're at the party with all the, the bitters. Yes. And they're all kind of, you know, asking him questions like, how's your golf swing? And, you know, oh, look at you, you're really muscular and this yeah. and that. You know, they're all testing the merchandise, as it were. Well, and that's very symbolic of the way they used to buy slaves, you know. Right. So Red is part of this Red Alchemist Society. That's a secretive group, and, and Jordan Peele is apparently really interested in this, and, and this is sort of like um, a play off the Knights of Templar. So this Red Alchemist Society is a secretive group that comes together to bid on black bodies to inhabit. They believe that they are destined for immortality and deity status said Peel in an interview. Over uh, hundreds of years, they have worked to figure out through science the way to achieve the power of the Holy Grail. So red is an important indicator in this movie. When you see that, you know that they're part of this Red Alchemist Society. Just really quick, I want to talk about like the other people that, that are in the movie. So you mentioned Allison Williams as the girlfriend. Catherine Keener, who's always good. Bradley Whitford as the dad. 
Lakeith Stanfield, he plays uh, Andre Logan King. He's in the opening scene where yeah, he yeah. gets abducted by the guy who's wearing the Knights of Templar helmet. Right. That guy happens to be Allison Williams' brother. In right, we show. find out later, exactly. And uh, Lil Rel Howery is the guy who plays his friend, the TSA agent. Comic relief. Oh, much needed. The way he uses that character for comic relief, it's just enough. And it's done at all the right times. Rod is the character's name. Excellent character and an excellent performance by Lil Ray Howery. He's great. There's a theory on Reddit that this whole thing is a daydream of Rod's so that he can be the hero in this story. Oh, wow. Jordan Peele has said, no, that's not true. (laughs) But it's a good theory. You think about it and you watch it and go, he is the voice of common sense in this movie and the comic relief, but he's also the voice of common sense. He says, don't go there. They're crazy. They're going to make sex slaves out of you. All this (laughs) stuff that that really does sort of come to fruition. You know, the irony of of all of this is that Jordan Peele is married to a white girl (laughs) in real life. Is Uh, that right? Yeah, he's married to Chelsea Peretti. She plays Gina on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So I read another interesting thing that this movie was written it was inspired by uh, an eddie murphy joke (laughs) and eddie murphy being one of my favorite comedians of all time he inspired me to go into the entertainment world really did it makes complete sense too it's the joke about black people won't stay in the house that's haunted and white people are always hanging out there in the movies yeah yeah in eddie murphy's delirious special which is a classic special from uh, 1983 he talked about like you know poltergeist and the amityville horror White people, they get in their house and, yeah. you know, and then there's a voice, get out. And, and white people, oh, I that's weird. That's peculiar. The, the walls are bleeding and everything else. Right. And the they, black people are like, it said get out. We're leaving. Let's go. <laughs> too bad we can't stay, baby. <laughs> and another interesting thing, too, in the beginning when they're, they're on their way to Rose's parents' house and they hit the deer. Right. That's a jarring scene, isn't it? It's one of the first jolts in the movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But then, like, the sound that the deer is making when it's dying. You know, that sound that the deer is making mm-hmm. is one of the two cameos that Jordan Peele has in the movie. He is the voice of the dying deer. Oh, wow. That's wild. He's also the voice of the commercial on television for the United Negro College Fund. A oh, mind wow. is a terrible thing to waste. So when, when cool. I think that's Rod watching TV when that's yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Which, of course, is like a clue and all that. Yeah. There's all kinds of cool Easter eggs, too. At one point... When he's talking to Georgina in the bedroom after the whole uh, exchange after she unplugs his phone. Yes. If you look over his shoulder, there's a poster hanging on the wall for something. Yeah. And it's framed in a way where it says, Chris is dead. If you look very carefully. That's not what really? the poster. Yeah, that's not what the poster says. Sue pointed it out. Next time you watch the movie and you see that scene in the background, look for that poster. It's pretty cool. We were talking about the scene where they hit the deer and then, you know, they call the cops. The cops come. And then the cop starts harassing him. Like, right. know, can I see some ID? And then she starts sticking up for him. No, you don't need to see that. The first time you see the movie, we're thinking she's standing up for her black boyfriend, right? That's right. Yeah. Actually, she's not. She just doesn't want a paper trail. Right. Because if the cop calls in his information, now there's a paper trail that she was with him. You know, yeah. and so when he disappears... There's a lot of that, and that's why I think Jordan Peele says to watch the movie again and watch what she does once you know who she is, because yes. all through the entire movie, yep. when the deer gets hurt, it's also one of those moments you get to see that Chris is very empathetic, and you get to see that Allison doesn't care at all. Yes. 
And, you know, the deer is also an important metaphor here in this movie Mm -hmm. um, because it's a buck. And when they finally get to the house and they're talking about hitting the deer, Mm -hmm. he starts talking about how terrible the deer are. Yeah, the the father, yeah. The black buck used to be what they would call when the slaves were freed. And when the newly freed black men would act up, they would call them black bucks. And so that's where the whole deer thing comes in. Okay. And then at the end, he uses that black buck that was hanging on the wall. And he kills the father with it. To kill the father with That's the awesome. black buck. Or, well, with the buck, yeah. actually. The buck stops here, right? <laughs> it sure did there, didn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Another great symbolic thing is Rose's mother, Catherine Keener, controls her subjects with the hypnotism with the silver spoon, which of course is synonymous with privilege. So there's all kinds of great symbols like that. And the way it's written, oh man, so good. You had mentioned when we talked about what movie to talk about for the podcast, this was one, and then you also mentioned Us, which is his latest movie. Yes. I saw that with with Sue in the theater, and maybe I need to see it again. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as this, though. I didn't like it as much as this either. It was freaky, but um, strangely, I figured it out really early on in the movie and so i stopped watching for the entertainment and started trying to confirm my uh theory on why why how it ended up the way it ended up yeah i mean the performances in that movie were outstanding because the actors were playing two different roles and all that and i probably just need to see it again it was definitely a good movie as well but uh this one to me really stands out and really was deserving i think of the oscar nominations absolutely and i'm glad it won uh the oscar for the script too yeah it should have won maybe for at least best actor as well but that's a whole other story oh yeah absolutely some other things to look for when you're watching the movie. Chris apologizes to Georgina after she explains why she unplugged his cell phone. You know, she says that, oh, well, I picked it up to dusk there and, and, and then, you know, I accidentally unplugged it. I'm sorry. And he says, oh, don't worry. I, I didn't mean to snitch on you. And she yeah. kind of looks at him funny. And then uh, he says, rat you out, you know, rat you out. And she still doesn't get it. And she says, oh, tattletale. That's an indication that she's an older person in a, in a younger person's body. Because, you know, she doesn't understand those newer terms for tattletale. Yeah. When the dad is giving the tour to mm-hmm. Chris of the house, right? he says, and this is the basement, had some black mold down there. And ah. if you think about this, and, and this, uh, Jordan Peele said that, it, well, it, I was watching a video of him with an interview, and he was saying he didn't mean to do it, but he took credit for it anyway. <laughs> Black mold is really, it was a mold of black people right. that they were going to use. So that it was really kind of interesting. I think uh, the way Jordan Peele wrote it initially, though, was just, you know, hey, don't go down the basement. It's got black mold down there. Uh, he was just trying to keep him out of the basement if he, if he was wandering around the house. Yeah, and that was uh, um, a double meaning that he didn't he accidentally did, which is actually very cool. Right. And then um, during that same tour, he, he um, brings him in the kitchen, and he says that mom always loved the kitchen. Uh, we, we keep a piece of her here. And oh, yeah. And it's funny because the first time you see the movie, you don't know what he's talking about. And then when you know the the twist, you know exactly what he's talking about. It's really fun to watch this multiple times for all those little things, for sure. Well, the dad does the same thing when he's talking about the grandparents. And he's talking about the maid and then to the groundskeeper. Mm -hmm. And he says they took care of mom and dad and we couldn't bear to let them go. Right. He wasn't talking about the groundskeeper and the maid that they couldn't bear to let go. He was talking about his parents. Right who are now uh, encased in those bodies. That's right. 
there's all all kinds of cool stuff. And then when he's uh, at night, when he when he goes out for the walk in the middle of the night, Chris, and then sees the groundskeeper running toward him really fast. The first time you see the movie and you see that, that is so disturbing. It's like, oh my god, the guy's running right toward him. That's so weird. It and is, then, and they never connect that dot really. They you do. You know what I mean? It's almost like a non sequitur. But you're going, what was that all about? They do later because he says, uh, "I'm sorry if I startled you when I was exercising." And then when you find out that he's still trying to beat Jesse Owens. Yeah. Yes. Is what that's all but, about. But they, they never overtly connect that dot to Jesse Owens. That's something that we have to figure out after right. the fact. Yeah. That's because he was beat out in the Olympics by a black man who was of superior talent. Yep. You were talking about the symbolism of the silver spoon. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a whole, so much symbolism in this movie. Absolutely. Like the fact that um, when he's strapped to that chair mm-hmm. and he rakes it until the cotton starts coming out, he yep. literally has to pick cotton to save his life yep. and, and that's a that's a major piece of symbolism there yeah because he takes the cotton and shoves it in his ear so he can't be hypnotized again yep yeah steven root is really good too as the blind guy that wants his photographic skills and stuff yeah he always plays a good character i, I think that steven root is one of the best utility actors in hollywood he can just play from the weird dude on was it office space yep to this character i mean he can run the gambit he's really talented yeah he's super good on barry on hbo and he's done a lot of goofy roles too but even those he's good i've never seen steven root in anything where he wasn't good the scene where he explains what's going on to him when when um, chris is strapped to the chair and he pops up on the tv screen right oh man and you're obviously rooting for Chris. There was a, an alternate ending to this movie that uh, you may or may not have seen. Did you see the alternate ending? Because I, I have alternate. not seen it. In the alternate ending, the cops come and they actually arrest Chris because they assume that he's attacking Rose. And then they, they show him going to jail. It's a, it's a downer of an ending and one that I'm glad they didn't go with because if anybody deserved victory at the end, it was him. Well, and there, there are a couple of moments there where you get to see how um, real life sneaks in a little bit when at the very end, when Rod pulls up, it's the cops pulling up after he's not killed Rose. He stands up and raises his hands. Uh, like he had done something wrong, even though all he was doing was defending himself. Then it turns out to be Rod, but there's that moment. There's also the cell phone moment, which uh, turns, uh, what was the actor's, what was the, Logan. So when he snaps the cell phone and the flash goes off and Logan is released from that hypnotic state, Mm -hmm. that is symbolic of how much the cell phone has used to change the way black people are treated because they can now capture these videos like when the cops are beating them and that sort of thing. So the cell phone is released Logan there for a moment, just for a moment, enough time for him to tell Chris to get out. Yeah, he uses the flash again to save himself from getting killed by Rose's grandfather in the end. The interesting part about that scene, he had to run up from behind and tackle Chris. Mm -hmm. And Jordan Peele said he almost wrote into that that scene i finally got you jesse i finally caught you jesse oh wow that but he decided been... that it would be too over the top yeah so a little too much yeah, yeah. That, i don't know i would have i would have gotten that because like you know being hypnotized like that that would make sense you know for him to say yes. that and that's you know you were talking earlier about how chris you know has all this empathy and stuff we find out that his mother was the victim of a hit and run. And had he acted sooner, he could have saved her. Mm -hmm. You know, because he was just a kid. He was 11 years old. He's watching cartoons. His mom doesn't come home. He doesn't do anything. He just goes about his business watching cartoons. But she actually survived the initial impact of the hit and run. But she 
kind of bled out, I guess, or something like yeah. that. So when he hits Rose's grandmother, Georgina, yeah. you know, as so he he's hits making... the deer, he goes back for the deer. Right. And then he hits grandma. Right. As he's trying to make his escape from the house. And he's like, oh, he thinks I can do something. I can help her. And that's almost his downfall, being empathetic, because he ta- he brings her in the car and he's going to take her to the hospital. And then she comes to and she starts... She attacks him. Yeah, she attacks him and stuff. And you Grandma see her, the scar in her head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's interesting, too, because that's uh, something that you don't really recognize until once you've seen the movie and you really put all the pieces together yep. is that all the black actors who've been taken over, so to speak, yeah. they have been uh, lobotomized or their brains yeah. have been used. And so they all have scars on their head. So they either have wigs or hats on. And I like that when the procedure is being explained to Chris when he's bound to the chair and he says, there's always going to be a little piece of you in there, but I'm going to be the driver. So even though this procedure essentially gives uh, a new body to the privileged white person, there's still a bit of the black person. And that actually comes through at least once with one of the other characters, Georgina, when she's talking to Chris, she just starts crying. I believe that is the original person coming through and, and struggling to say, get me out of here or get yourself out of here and not being able to do it because it's it's like an out of context. Why is she crying about that? And she's got a smile. Oh no, that's okay. But in the meantime, uh, that tear is running down her cheek. Yeah. Allison Williams, so good in this movie. Uh, I'm thinking of the scene after she reveals herself to Chris and they got him bound in the basement and all that. She's up in her room. She's got her headphones on. And she, what is she listening to again? It's a real white song. Oh, it really, uh, I can't remember. I, oh, I, I know what it was. I know what it was. Um, I've had the time of my life from Dirty Dancing. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get much whiter than that, right? Right. She's doing a Google search for NCAA prospects. Yes, she wants to get a new victim. Yeah, she wants to get, you know, somebody with good genetics. I think one of them uh, actually is Keegan-Michael Key, if you look carefully, by the way. (laughs) But even the way she's sitting there and she's eating the Fruit Loops one at a time with the glass of milk, weird. It's like so... Well, there were a couple of theories on that, too. One okay. theory that a lot of folks have been saying is that the they never mix the color and the the white. So oh, the fruit loops okay. are of color. But Peel has said, no, that's not the intention. The intention was that that was literally the most fruit loopy thing that could be done in that it's just a really weird way to eat Fruit Loops. Yeah. You take a, one single Fruit Loop, put it in your mouth, chew it up, and then uh-huh. wash it down with milk. It was just weird. It was yeah. just set up to be weird. Yeah, very strange. She did a a great job acting as well. When there's that scene, she's on the staircase and Chris is... um, Where the keys rose. Yeah, that's right. And she she is in this moment of panic and she's just panicking and then they're right here. You know I can't (laughs) give you these keys, babe. (laughs) That's what she says. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Another instance where uh, Rod calls, he's yes. been calling, he's been calling the whole time and she's just sitting there with like this total blank look on her face, but she's got all the emotion coming out in her voice yep. and she is totally playing it. And he's like, you crazy woman. Yeah. He, he mutes the phone and he's like, you lying bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, then when she finally outsmarts him, he goes, you genius. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> crazy genius. I think he calls her. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I read that TSA agents uh, <laughs> are big fans of Jordan Peele now. <laughs> That's awesome. He makes the TSA agent such a hero. It's awesome. <laughs> they let him scoot right through then. <laughs> yeah. Universal wants him to do a sequel. 
He said that he'd be open to it as long as he could do something that's as good as the original. You know, he doesn't want it to be just a cash grab. I don't know. I, I think it would be really hard to follow this up. You think a sequel to this would work? I think it would almost have to be like a offshoot, right? I mean, it could be another sect of the Knights of Templar, the Red Scarlet Society or whatever that was. I think that they could be doing that in another part of the country. Yeah. I, I think that would be interesting. The hard part is going to be, you can't just redo it. Right. And if we go in knowing what we know now, right. then how does he sneak up on us with a great ending? Because that's what he's known for right now is sneaking in that ending that right. makes us go, Oh my, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. That's kind of like what uh, M night Shyamalan became known for the twist. I think the only way he could sell a get out two would be if it was a totally different victim. Yes. One of the key scenes here, you remember when the brother was talking about they were having dinner and, and he wanted to do jujitsu. They yeah. wanted to have a contest. And Chris said he took judo and the other guy said, oh, well, jujitsu is a much better thing. Yeah. And you have to think three steps ahead. Now, right. that was a great piece of foreshadowing right. because if you remember when he was trying to escape, he reached for the door. And the brother had him in a, a neck lock. Right. And he reached for the door and he used his right leg, kicked the door shut. And and meanwhile, he's trying to stab his leg with that letter opener. Right. But he can't quite get him. So he reaches for the door again, still being in the headlock, kicks the door shut. Finally, he's about ready to be choked out. One more time, he reaches for the door. He kicks it. He stabs him in the leg and allows him to be free. Right. In that scene... At dinner time, he says, jujitsu has you thinking three steps ahead. It was three steps. Yep. It was three kicks. And judo also has you thinking three steps ahead, which allowed Chris to outsmart the brother. Yeah. Judo is all about using your opponent's energy against them. So if like That's a guy's right. coming toward you, it's like sort of sidestepping and using his momentum against him sort of thing. So Chris is clearly not a dummy and he's street smart. And, you know, even though he gets caught up in this whole thing, the way he escapes is fantastic. Like you said before, like putting the cotton in his ears and using his environment like the, I guess it's a bocce ball that he, he clobbers <laughs> Rose's brother with and stuff. Yes. And you know that guy's not dead. You know, he's, he's bleeding, you know, his head's bleeding, he's got the head trauma, but you know you're going to see him again. You know, and the whole time you're going, hit him again! <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Well, he, he eventually, uh, I think, crushes him. And, and you know, that's one of the things that yeah, I really liked Thompson. about this. <laughs> that's right. And, and that was, like, one of the things that I really liked about this movie is that even though it was a horror movie, it really wasn't that gory. You think about, um, so he curb stomped him, but they didn't take the opportunity to, to show that. us his smashed head. Yeah, and you I just thought that it. was a great move. Yeah, They did the same thing with the mom where he uses the letter opener that she shoved through his hand mm -hmm. to he, he somehow uh, kills her with that. But we don't see how and we don't need to. And then even when the grandfather at the very end, once he's woken him up, shoots himself in the head. Right. We don't have to see all that gore. And right. I think that's brilliant. There's some blood, but they leave a lot of that to our imagination, which I think is better than just showing it to us blatantly anyway. I think if you start putting too much of that in, it starts to make the movie look more like a slasher film instead of mm -hmm. a really great thriller like it is. And I think it, it dumbs it down a little bit too much. So I think Jordan Peele is smart to leave that stuff out too, absolutely.
Yeah, plus there was probably a bit of cost involved in that, and they really wanted oh, sure. to do this on the cheap. You know, they were actually set to film this in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and due to budget cuts, they ended up in Alabama, which I think is kind of fitting as well. <laughs> sure, because Lord knows the racial tension there is, is a lot thicker. And he actually yeah. said shooting in Alabama made it um, a little bit more challenging and kind of elevated the film. Struggle always makes us better. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it makes a film better, I'm not sure, but it makes all, makes people better, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's a good thought-provoking film, to say the very least. Absolutely. And to watch it again, I think that's the real key. You can't just watch it the first time and then be done with it. You have to watch it again so you can really appreciate the art of the filmmaking and the acting Mm -hmm. and the writing that went into this movie because it really is fantastic. Yeah. And even when you know it's coming, it's still awesome. It's still so well done that you don't care. I mean, obviously, the first time you see the movie, when everything happens and and all the twists happen and the way he gets away and everything, obviously, it's awesome. It's only diminished a little bit when you know that it's coming. I am one of those people that likes to know the magic of movie making. I really truly believe that movies are magic. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love the backstory. Like a magician is not doing magic. It's a trick. And that's really what I love about movie making. And that's why what you mentioned at the beginning of this spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. I, I can watch a movie knowing how it's going to happen and what's going to happen. That's okay with me because I really can watch it and be entertained. And then I really want to go back. And that's why I like what you do here, Jason, because these are moments that you get to connect the dots. You can listen to your podcast, then go back and watch the movie again with a fresh new set of eyes and appreciate the magic of movies. So thanks for your service. Oh, well, (laughs) I appreciate you saying that. But for me, the podcast is not only about talking about all the behind the scenes stuff. It's really a lot of fun to just geek out about how great a movie is, you know, especially with somebody else that really appreciates the movie. Jordan Peele, Tipping our hat to you big time because yeah. you nailed it with this movie. It's it's awesome. And all of the award nominations, the awards won, and the critical acclaim. And for most of the time it was in theaters, it was 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and all that. I mean, yeah. it deserves all that. It's so well done and has a very important message of inequality in our country and really around the world, not just our country. And it's really, yeah. it's really something that I hope changes. As the human race, we should be better. Amen, brother. <laughs> so that's that. Anything else, Les? I don't think so. Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, internet and corporate video, e-learning, phone message, and more. Please like the Screen Facts Facebook page and leave your comments or questions at facebook.com slash screenfacts. You can also tweet at Jason Davis Voice. Thanks so much for listening.